I'm Neve Campbell, journalist for Sync I. In modern society, social media is quite literally everywhere and can often negatively impact on a person's mental health. That's why in this podcast series, I talk to some inspiring people from across Northern Ireland who are using social media for good. Positivity breeds positivity. So follow our podcast and share it across your own social media channels to spread some positive vibes and enjoy. It is Eating Disorder Awareness Week in the UK, so I spoke with Laura Yohas. She has previously suffered with bulimia and is now an avid amateur boxer. Laura speaks openly about her past struggles with eating disorders across her social media channels and helps others spot the signs of eating disorders. Her Instagram is laurahelenaj at laura underscore hits. So it's Eating Disorder Awareness Week in the UK. Um, there's currently an estimated 1.25 million people living with an eating disorder in the UK alone and um, statistics show that that's ever growing. I am with Laura Yohas, who has suffered with eating disorders herself in the past, um, and with us here to sort of talk about your experiences. Laura? Yes, uh, Neve, thanks for having me here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a bit of an odd one, to be honest. I've never done any, anything like that before, but uh, you know, as we spoke earlier, I think it's something that's quite important to be shared and to be heard. So um, yeah, please shoot me your questions. Yeah. Um, so basically, Laura, do you want to just tell us what your own experiences with eating disorders, what you went through yourself and why you think that came about? Yeah, um, I mean, to be honest, for a very long time, I actually didn't even know that my behaviours and what I was going through would, in a sort of medical terms, now be classified as an eating disorder. I mean, I think I go. I went through like a phase that a lot of people I know go through sort of in their late teens, early 20s of, you know, suddenly, you know, you come out of uh, of school and um, as you know, teenage years can be brutal for, for some of us. And, um, you know, you're already at a very vulnerable age. And uh, yeah, for me, I've always been quite into sports and um, I uh, it started all quite, uh, quite harmlessly. It's just a bit of, you know, fitness and trying to get fit. Um, to be honest, I was never very much informed about dieting. I've always um, sort of thought, you know, weight loss is a, is a positive thing because weight loss is associated with, you know, positive feedback. Um, that's sort of how we grew up, especially sort of in the 90s, early 2000s, because I think that was almost like the the body yeah. sti- t- types and the standards that um, we could see in society. So obviously everyone was trying to be thin. And um, yeah, for me, it was very normalized behavior at first and um, it didn't come overnight. Um, it started off with, you know, you, you try one diet after another, etc. until you finally find something that whenever it suddenly produces results and you started, you start losing weight, um, you know, then you, you just stick to it and you just slowly but surely drive it into a more extreme form of, of building habits around it. It's one of those things as well, just because you were talking about, you know, the nineties and early two thousands. It was like that magazine culture, like yeah. the front of magazines and like Vogue and Kate Moss. I mean, yeah. she was like the the front cover, and I mean her. That was like her brand identity was skinny. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of people picked that up around that time. I think as well something we then mentioned before I started recording, like social media now. Um, it, it can sort of be for the better or the worse because before you were just sort of looking at magazines that's all you really had to go on and a lot of those magazines like those gossip magazines you know um if a woman had gained weight you know you see like some 
awful unflattering angles of women in bikini photos and and they're always sort of slated for it but now social media in a way it's almost like if you don't want to read that magazine you just didn't pick it up but now with social media everyone's on social media you can't avoid it so we're still seeing stuff like that we're still seeing people constantly pushing these different body images but at the same time there is a lot of positivity on social media surrounded that as well like yourself like I think you um are definitely someone that uses social media for good you know you push um like your message across that you know eat to sustain yourself not just to be skinny and and you're constantly pushing awareness of eating and um, disorders and things like that so what do you think do you think it's sort of getting worse or it's got it better or? well I think for me initially social media was definitely a massive contributor to um to developing it in the first place um, I think the difference between sort of the 90s and, and now is that, you know, back in the day we were just exposed to it, but now we actually have to put ourselves out there too. Yeah. So, you know, um, suddenly you have, you have, you know, you, ha- you don't have to, but for a lot of people, they have to sort of post something every couple of days or weeks or even daily. And, um, you know, it's not sort of just taking a simple photograph anymore. It's taking 30 photographs and picking the one that is the most flat, you know, flattering angle that um you know can be sort of the 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 reality can be um diluted substantially and when i first started sort of my whole fitness journey i did i think i did what a lot of people do initially you know you you create an instagram account you start following people who put a lot of content out with regards to fitness and um being at a young age you're not able to distinguish between what's reality and what's not and you hear that person saying right this is my workout routine this is my eating routine and you just as a young vulnerable desperate adult you, you just want to you know you want an answer you, we want black and white answers nowadays nutrition is very very complex and health is very complex and i think as humans we just don't like any gray areas i think we always want to be told follow this plan yeah. follow this diet and this will be the result so I was very vulnerable to that and I did pick up a lot um, a lot from that and a lot of it that that's that's out there you know it I mean I thankfully never sort of fell into the trap of, of actually you know buying any products or you know there's so much stuff out there like I, know I saw like slimming lollipops and coffees and it is I mean to to be honest like laxatives I mean if you look at certain subcategories of of bulimia nervosa the abuse of laxatives is a, a major um, criteria for for the diagnosis nowadays. So, um, and we have it there on a on a platform being sold by the likes of Kim Kardashian, yeah. who um, probably has her own personal trainers and cooks and everything. And I mean, she makes a living out of looking a certain way, um, which I believe, which by the way I don't believe is true to reality either. But yeah. that's another topic. Um, but yeah, it's just very, very shocking that somebody who has 14, 30 million followers not just uh, makes money off it, but actually, you know, doesn't, um, yeah, you know what I mean? Like they, they just yeah. have the ability to to push out such a harmful, dangerous yes. content. Yeah, I know what you mean without thinking maybe necessarily of the consequences. Um, I think as well, just because you said Kim Kardashian, I remember watching a documentary years ago and, you know, this, I think it was about eating disorders and just how the media pushes these different body images onto women and this one girl she had um she had like all these different cutouts the cutouts of magazines of different celebrities put on her wardrobe 
and she's like, you know, I get up every day and I look at them, I think, oh, well, what would be this is the thing I want to look like? And, you know, like, I one picture was of, like, Kim Kardashian, one was of, like, Keira Knightley or someone, you know, and there were, like, five different women, and the presenter, I can't remember who it was, but she was basically, like, but these women don't even look alike. You know, Kim Kardashian yeah. has a completely different body shape than Keira Knightley, who's, like, you know, like, stick thin, and, you know, that's fine, that's her prerogative, that's probably maybe genetically she's like, so we're constantly being shoved these images of different celebrities, and they all sort of have flat stomachs and things like, you know, like, generally with flat stomachs big bum big boob but they all vary so much themselves so how like, yeah young people don't really have a chance do they? <laughs> we, we're bombarded with such a large amount of information i think we cannot select what is what what is normal anymore and i think this is also where body dysmorphia comes in and that's actually a term i only learned a few years ago after i was more or less through my recovery um which is when which is what happens to a lot of people who are affected and i see this a lot a lot now especially in the sort of the fitness industry um and especially even in a growing area for for men and and you know men that like to bodybuild and it's when you um when you basically are, aren't able to view your your own body the way it is actually you know meant to look so you look in the mirror and you actually do see yourself maybe you know for men it could be skinnier because obviously maybe their main game uh, uh, aim is to to build muscle but for women it's the opposite so even though you look at the at the mirror you don't see like you have a, a, a very twisted you don't see vision what sees, you don't yeah. see what everyone else sees and i think um i would that was also sort of an accompanying factor that was always there i remember when i'm when i was affected i was always looking and checking myself in the mirror um and one of the things i learned as well during my recovery in, in is, is, is that that factor of comparison that we always compare ourselves to others um, that, like you say, have a completely different genetic and makeup than us. Filters and Photoshop and everything, and I think people, especially the younger generation, because, I mean, I don't know about you, like, I grew up when social media only really started whenever I was, like, 12, and that was, like, Bebo, that wasn't even Instagram and Facebook and stuff, but now there's people that are even younger, and they literally can't even remember what life was like before, having Instagram and Facebook and stuff so for young people like that their brains aren't even like I mean I was still like I know we're talking about this now I look on Instagram sometimes still and, and see images of people I'm like oh no like why don't I look like that like I try to work out the new bra and then I had to cast myself on and be like a weird knee like you know like, yeah like wait stop right here yeah why are you doing but it's easy to get sucked into this and I think one of the main things I had to do in, right away was to unfollow a lot of accounts like if I look at the way my Instagram looked like three four years ago compared to the type of person I, I follow now and for me it's a very simple rule if 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 a person posts that content that makes me not feel good about myself mm -hmm. then I don't want to follow them no, um, that's sort of like it's just a, a rule of thumb for me and yes uh, Kim Kardashian is is one of them <laughs> that I will <laughs> never ever follow <laughs> I don't know I don't know if Kim Kardashian cared if she ever listens to this, you know, <laughs> um, I'm sure she gets it all the time um, so how, Laura, did you then come, like, how did you realise that you had an eating disorder? Did someone sort of notice it in you? Did you realise yourself that something wasn't right, like what you were doing wasn't healthy? Or when was the defining moment? Oof, that's hard to say. I think um, it became like an accumulation. But basically what, what, what happened with me is that um, initially when I, when I first moved here, um, I had put on some weight that I wanted to lose. So... It started actually off with um, downloading a good old my fitness pal, yeah. and um, yeah, I knew everyone has that now. And that's again, 
there's pros and cons to it and yes to to a lot of people it can be a good tool to you know monitor progress and um you know learn a little bit more about you know what type of foods have what kind of sort of macronutrient or calorific setup but it can also be quite dangerous if it comes if it falls into the hands of someone who's young who has no idea what calories are just you know they just see them as an enemy and you try to reduce them so when I initially started off, um, I downloaded this, I put in some data about myself, height, weight, etc. And it spat out in order to reach this goal, because um, you basically put in a goal, a goal weight that you want to reach and a time frame in which you want to reach it in. So obviously you go for the lowest possible weight and the <laughs> shortest possible time frame. So to do that, I think the thing gave me something like 1,200 calories or something like that, which is, by the way, I learned also during my recovery that recovery the nutritional requirement for a two-year-old um so yes i started off with setting an incredibly low amount of 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 daily calories that i was allowing myself and it it was really incredible how my mood was suddenly tied to that number so on days where i went where i made that goal i was super happy and proud of myself and i i was um yeah, sort of congratulating myself for my discipline. And then on days when I went over it, I was, you know, desperate and felt felt like a failure. So I think that sort of success-guilt cycle is definitely a contributing factor to it. But then I thought, you know what, that, that must be normal. That must be what every, you know, good-looking person on Instagram yeah. does to look a certain way. So to me, I didn't, it didn't feel like anything alarming. Um, and the, the also the other, the other sort of, thing to consider is unfortunately as I lost a lot of weight I kept getting a lot of compliments so yeah. oh you look great you lost did you lose a couple of pounds you know uh, you look amazing and wow what's your secret well secret was I was starving myself for months and months I think it was over a year before I actually realized that this is not sustainable I lost my period I um, I was constantly tired and you plateau eventually too so when you plateau there's only two ways you can sort of uh, you know there's only two sort of logical next steps either you lower your calories which i possibly couldn't do anymore because i i was hungry all the time or you start exercising so then the whole sort of exercising factor comes in and again you know you start seeing exercise either as a, as a punishment or you start seeing food as a reward for having exercise mm-hmm. and that again it completely um distances yourself from what food really is you know you see it as a necessity and as a as an enemy almost um so yeah i think for me when when i really started to notice that something wasn't right was when obviously you start avoiding certain social gatherings that involve food and you start making excuses as to why you can't eat something so you you know if you're invited for dinner you you join later for drinks and then obviously you don't drink anything um but uh yeah you start making those like small little steps and um it's only you only start to realize it when it's the people from outside that you know say hey wait a minute this is not this is not normal behavior were you not so tired all the time like elbow from exercising and then only eating such little calories yeah and then i started binge eating so that's sort of how that's when i really realized something went terribly wrong because obviously you starve yourself for let's say 
And it, again, it, you have to bear in mind that everything is very nuanced and very personal. And it actually, and I learned this also during my recovery, it has to do a lot with your own character as well. Sort of the type of eating disorder you can develop mm-hmm. um, can is, is always tied in very much with your own personality almost. So I would be quite an extroverted person and quite outgoing. And for me, food was always family because I come from a Spanish german household so for us food was always happiness and celebration and being social and being in groups so um, and me sort of being that extroverted i had a tendency to be impulsive about my 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 food choices so it was only almost natural that i that the the disorder i would develop would be towards binge eating bulimia um, compared to maybe people who tend to be naturally much more introverted they might go further towards the anorexia nervosa kind of thing because they're more you know it's more of a quiet one yeah. i would say um so so yeah and also what i think is really important to to say here it, it was never actually about the food like it started off with you know i just want to get a bit of you know get a bit fitter get a bit leaner um get a bit healthier but then it it, it ties in with a lot of sort of i would say other struggles that you have mentally for me it was always anxiety um so for me it was a way to almost vent and having control over let's say my calories sort of made up for the fact that i was maybe not able to control my anxiety in other areas of life so let's say if i was anxious about my workplace or um sort of my financial security even if there was certain things i they were that were out of my control i could always resort back to my calorie counting and and that to sort of remain calm so it was almost like you welcome it like a like a you know like a like a comfort yeah like a comfort yeah because that Megan Trainer and Sinner she said a few years back you know I think someone asked her but I think she said something like remember she had that song all about that face and it's about mm-hmm. like, you know, being big and, and embracing your curves and then she sort of said you know oh I, I never had an eating disorder and I never had like the, the discipline for that and then I think like Demi Lovato came out and, and was like well, a lot of people came out, but Demi Lovato was really famously suffered with eating disorders and stuff herself. And she said, you know, it's not about that. I think a lot of people think, oh, if you're bullying, if you're anorexic, it's like, wow, you must have like amazing self-control. Like it's something you make yourself do. But it controls you. It's it's an addiction, um, actually. And if you go, thankfully, I was never in a clinical setting. So I, when I noticed something was going on, I was thankfully, you know, um, in, a, in a good sort of situation with people around me who, who helped me to, to, to direct me, let's say, to the right people to seek help for. So thankfully, I never had to go into any clinical setting, but I did some group therapy and I met people who did. And actually, I think in Dublin, um, the treatment center for, for anorexia is tied in with the, with the same kind of treatment that um, people who are... Um, who are abusing like alcohol or drugs. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's not actually treated as a not just as a mental illness, but as an addiction, Yeah. actually. And I think a lot of the behaviors are more of an addiction, so it's more like a compulsiveness, um, you know, to, to, you know, and it can manifest itself in a different things. Like, actually, I don't, do you know um, Rennie McGregor, the, the sports dietitian? No. By any chance? Uh, so she's a, a registered dietitian in the UK, and um, she's actually coached some of the, uh, GB Olympics team for like triathlon and, and things like that and she specializes in eating disorders with athletes um, and uh, she actually wrote a book around uh, it's called orthorexia which is sort of a new 
kind of eating disorder that's developing that is um, that focuses around people cutting out specific food groups carbs. Uh, yes exactly thing, cutting it? carbs cutting sugar and it starts off with something harmless so you'd say you want to go healthy you, you say i cut sugar um and then from sugar it goes to carbs and then you add dairy you add gluten you add meat and then people sort of systematically reduce the type of food groups that they have in their diets and i think that's also you know partly to partially to blame on, on the likes of social media because you know you have all those new diet trends being thrown around and you think okay yeah maybe going keto is the answer because i've tried everything else i've tried the pineapple juicing cleanse so <laughs> that didn't work uh, let's try keto next and you you keep going until yeah you think you find something or you don't and you just stay forever frustrated and that's in that this, cycle this is one of those things as well again you're talking about the fact that you know when you when have people that were suffering with alcohol addiction and stuff you know there's even a thing now i think um it's sort of more the younger generation where you know alcohol is like empty calories so they're calling them alcorexics so it's then girls like young girls particularly don't eat all day so if they're going out tomorrow it'd be like fuck it i have calories and, and you yeah. can't wait but you get no energy from it so because they know that there's calories in the alcohol they just don't eat all day so that they can get drinking. drunk and not gain weight and then it's wow like the, yeah. i hadn't heard of that but um you know that kind of behavior sounds shockingly familiar to me you know if i if i knew i had a specific gathering towards the end of the week i would try and make up for those calories by sort of starving myself yeah. the week prior to that and again i think if we look at if we look at the other side of the spectrum we have the highest number of obesity ever globally in the uk in ireland um so we have a lot of people also on the other side of the of the thing who are desperately trying to to lose weight and for them you know perhaps being able to to understand calories and understand how um nutrition works a little bit can be something incredibly beneficial and incredibly useful so i wouldn't you know i don't want to sit here and point my finger at my fitness pal and say you did this it is a it was an accumulation i think of a lot of different factors and i used a tool that was meant to help people control a little bit better what they eat and i uh, i use it in a different setting and um yeah i think i think looking at it now for example i, I do boxing so sometimes i need to make weight for for fights um so i use my fitness pal if i if i need to lose weight by a by a certain date just because it helps me to stay on on track i never ever thought i would be able to use it by the way healthily yeah. But I see now how it helps me because I think, okay, you know, I use it. I don't use it all year round. I use it, you know, for specific times. And I understand also that it's it's estimates, you know, um, not every calorie is absorbed in the same way. And not every, you know, 100 calories from chocolate don't pr maybe provide the same nutritional value as 100 calories from broccoli. Um, yeah. So there's obviously, you know, if, if I think what helped me in a big step towards my own recovery was to actually educate myself um, on on bodies, on you know nutrition. I, l I read a lot of books around it, and you know what it actually is that our bodies need. Um, especially again, because for me, sport has always been really important, and my performance was obviously suffering tremendously from not being able to fuel myself. Um, so that was one area of the thing, but then the whole other sort of separate area that I had to work through myself which I did with a lot of um, counseling through the Eating Disorder Association Northern Ireland they're a charity here 
and they provide, provide free, free counseling. They do um, group sessions. They do uh, online sessions if you want to, you know, stay a bit more, um, especially at, at an early stage. Um, a lot of people are quite ashamed to seek help. Mm-hmm. I think, thankfully to me, I was never like that. I, the moment I realized, hold on, this is ruining my life. I was begging for it. I said, I don't care who needs to hear this. I just, I want to get better. But I think for a lot of people, they think they almost, they're not, they're not sick enough. It's a taboo. To, hmm? It's like a taboo. It's like people yeah. are like, oh, I don't want that enough to, to do it because it's, it's embarrassing for some people. Yeah. It's a pretty thing. Absolutely. And I mean, the, I, I think there's a lot of misconception around um, eating disorders and the way people look, <laughs> again, the irony of it, how, how you have to look to be classified as sick enough. Like yeah. when I was at my sickest, I looked to according to normal like today's beauty standards I looked probably perfect because I was muscular I was lean and people were complimenting me on my physique all the time and they didn't know that there was a raging monster sort of behind the scenes um and I know I've met through all of these group therapies and things that I've done I've met people who had anorexia who were you know in larger bodies I've met people who were quite you know quite skinny or quite lean who had uh, you know binge eating disorder and you know of course there's an embarrassment behind it because they're the nature of an eating disorder it is it is disgusting I mean I thought you know how can I ever talk publicly around um, making myself vomit mm-hmm. I mean that is there's something humiliating in that act itself and it's quite um, you know thankfully for me that's in the past now and I can you know I'm not ashamed of it, but I understand that in that moment, opening up to somebody about that is is absolutely dreadful. Um, And I thought for me, it was worse to talk to my parents and to talk to my partner about it. It felt worse to me than to actually talk to a therapist. So, um, but yeah, thankfully I had a good good support network who was very supportive of me getting help. Yeah, because, well, that's what I was going to say next, because you are so open about it on social media. Um, and just that thing you were talking about there about how people knew her after people thought you looked at your face and then they snuck through and you had that's what I said look on my phone you had, you had a photo in your story and it's it's you back then and you know you're saying like I was at my absolute sickest and I looked like this and people were saying you know wow you eat a lot for such a small body and you look amazing and I wish you had your discipline and you know obviously like I think it's really cool that you put that up to show people because like if I saw that photo without any of the words I would think like, oh wow, she's so she's so fit, you know, she must be so happy. So I think it's like, and the fact that as well, you post quite a lot about the different charities that can help people because as you said, like it it can be an embarrassing topic for some people. So it's really good that, that you in in this home that the social media that can contribute to especially just young people. I think obviously everyone can go at any age, you can go through this, but especially young people are seeing you know reality stars and their bikini photos and things and thinking, why do I look like that? I think like. People like you, it's really good that you're actually coming forward and saying, and it's the fact that you have to admit that you don't fully have a completely prepared relationship with food, and it's all it's ongoing. Yeah, I mean, um, it's like a little voice that you will always sort of have, but it's like you know, it's like with anxiety or with irrational thoughts, it's it's normal. They enter our head. Typically, they start with "What if?" So I know I've learned through, and I did a lot of. Um, it's called cognitive behavioral therapy. That sort of helps you distinguish between what thoughts are, let's say, intrusive and irrational and which ones are rational. Because, again, by nature, I'm just such a black and white person. I like 
you know, I like order and God, that's the German in me coming out probably. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I'm really organized when it comes to these things. So um, I've always sort of, uh, and also because I'm, I'm quite emotional and quite outgoing. So if, if you pair that emotional um, sort of, yeah, I don't want to say like even emotional empathy with, uh, with such a rational thinking, I think the mixture can be quite uh, explosive sometimes. <laughs> and um to learn to learn about myself and to learn why do I think the, the way that I do and you cannot always blame everything on you know childhood and teenage drama because we've all had it um, but it's also really understanding you know what are your own trigger points and um, really learning about yourself so in that sense I'm actually quite grateful because I think I'm in a point where I really know who I am and I know what is good for me and what drains me and you know, I'm able to, to, to cut things out of my life now um, with less guilt because, again, sort of the, the people-pleasing type of behavior that you've seen a lot of people suffering um, from an eating disorder. Uh, so, yeah, it, it is really sort of a, a journey. Um, so in that sense, yeah, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite glad I was able to work it out. What advice would you give to someone who does have an eating disorder now or who maybe has one and doesn't even realize they have one and maybe listening to this and they're like oh that actually sounds like a lot of that sounds familiar what you say yeah i mean that was really what was, was a key thing for me is because for a long time i thought these behaviors were absolutely normal it wasn't until i was sitting over a toilet throwing up that i thought okay wait a minute this isn't right but I, for me for a year i thought you know counting calories swapping food groups you know you want a donut but not it's, it's too bad for you so instead i go and have half an apple you, if you want a donut then have a donut you know you can't swap everything out so um if you are i would say if if, if a lot of your time on your daily basis is around preparing food thinking what you're going to eat next making plans a thing and I still catch myself doing that sometimes a thing I do if I go to a restaurant is I look up the menu online earlier so that I can see okay which one will be the healthiest option again in general every now and then if I'm cutting for wait for a fight yes that's okay but if that's every single time you eat if um, if your mind let's say 60 70 percent of the time occupied with preoccupied with how you look and what you're gonna eat next that's really not good and if, if, if you've so I would say it's even good to talk to someone even if you don't fit all of the let's say clinical criteria yeah. if you have a relationship with food that you know has a lot of good and bad language so you were talking earlier on about that photo that I posted with the you know the different things that people were saying to me um, it's not only people on social media that say it. I, I hear it every day if I go to the work canteen and I sit down and I have my lunch, I can hear someone say, oh, you're so good today, Laura, you know, because you, I've got broccoli on my plate or, you know, and, and it's that sort of whole mentality around food being good and bad. And there is no um, good or bad. There, is, there, really? there, there isn't. And, and uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time from, from Renny McGregor uh, is that she says, foods are like friends. And like with some friends, there's some that you want to spend more time with than with others. But there's a place for every every food group in your life. So trying to figure out that balance and honoring your hunger, honoring a craving. If you really want a donut, then have one. You know, don't um, don't don't deprive, don't deprive yourself. And uh, yeah, if, if if 
being around food makes you anxious. I remember for a long time, and especially again in a work-related thing, um, there's often situations where there's food involved, you know, for meetings or, you know, you're going for restaurants. If things like that make you anxious, then you really need to, yeah, to talk to someone. Um, it can be somebody who's close to you initially, uh, or 100% recommend uh, Beat UK, um, which is one of is the leading eating disorder charity. If you're in Northern Ireland, um, the EDA and I. Uh, they have a website there's a, a free a phone number uh, you can go and see the counselors face to face you can only talk to them on the phone um, I'm to the day I'm still checking with my former counselor every now and then and we actually meet up for coffee sometimes because nice. yeah it is like we've, we have, we've built a really really good relationship and um, we ended up talking about so much more than you know just the, the, the food uh, side of things and um, yeah they're, they're very professional they're very good and you you don't feel judged yeah so for me that was really important are there any sort of social media channels that you would advise people you know like you said like you're involved with ones that make you feel not so great about yourself are there any that you that you really like um like Rennie's probably on Instagram yes Rennie McGregor she actually has her own campaign um or she's running a campaign with a couple of other dietitians called train brave and um it's about athletes with with eating disorders and reds which is uh, relative energy deficiency syndrome so it happens a lot with runners who continuously under eat and then they get you know stress fractures and things like that um, I would say Laura Thomas PhD uh, Dr. Joshua Wolrick he's a, also an NHS uh, registered doctor he's actually not a dietitian but a lot of the the content he puts out there is around um, the whole sort of yeah, how, so social media and uh, he, he calls it uh, uh, nutri bollocks <laughs> that, you, <laughs> that you see out there nowadays. So um, I don't know. I think as a general rule of thumb, you know, listen to people who are NHS registered or who are, for, if you look at nutritionists that are registered nutritionists um, in the UK, dietitian means that you are a registered dietitian yeah, because that's one thing I heard as well you know a lot of personal trainers and fitness instructors say that they're nutritionists and I can't remember who said this but someone was like you know calling someone a nutritionist is like um calling a dentist like a toothy up a toothyometrist or something it's not the same <laughs> yeah. thing like a nutritionist is not the same as a dietitian they don't have the same qualifications yeah I need to look that up precisely but I think in the UK so if it's a, a dietitian means that you have a medical degree yeah. essentially and that you are registered as a dietitian with the NHS then in the UK if you are a nutritionist um it, it can you know ideally I would if you if you're looking for example for some advice I would look for a nutritionist that, is, that again that is registered mm-hmm. um, because there's a sort of separate charter for that and then there is something called nutritional therapist and that's something if I go online and do a six-week online course I can call myself a nutritional mm-hmm. therapist it's not a protected um, in, you know uh, uh, how do you say like a protected uh, word in that sense, yeah. everyone can call themselves that, uh, or nutrition, nutritional therapist, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but then again, it's different in in Australia, for example. I think um, nutritionist is a protected term. So, you know, depending on where you are, I would just do your sp- research. Yeah, do your research. Yeah. Um, Don't believe everything you see. And yes, and also one of the things in general with anything that's eating related, and even if you know you you wanna. You want to lose a little bit of weight out of health concerns 
the NHS is phenomenal and I, I was really not aware of that for a long time but they have so much free guidance when it comes to trying to live a healthier lifestyle um, whether it's you want to stop smoking or you know you're let's say pre-diabetic and you need to lose a little bit of weight they have so much great useful content and also like on, on, on child uh, children's nutrition and things like that so the NHS website is, is really really good say as well the stuff you were saying you know um, the advice you're giving people who think they may be an eating disorder is that where you're saying if we were talking to people you know how to help people spot if their friends or family are having an eating disorder that's the sort of things you look out for you know people that are avoiding gatherings are overly portioning their food to the point of like yeah there's actually i think beat uh uk put up a post on that this morning and also if you have a suspicion that someone has an eating disorder that's close if you contact one of the charities even as a supporter they can help you um with that so for example um there's a a, a friend of mine from from my old hometown and uh, she suffered from anorexia nervosa very very badly i mean she, she almost died from it and uh, for many years and her mother um, was supported by one of the local charities there as well because obviously as somebody caring for a child with an eating disorder that can be absolutely draining and those people need help and support as well so um, absolutely so I remember my, my boyfriend when I when I started um, when I when I told him that you know this is what, what was happening or what I was thinking was happening um, he actually got in touch with with EDA as well and you know to see if there's any way that he can he can help me um, because sometimes, unfortunately, the people who are very close to us, who want to help us, maybe don't help us in the best way yeah. um, by being, you know, overly controlling. And then, you know, they want to say, you know, they, they you feel even more watched um, with what you're with what you're doing. So that results in more secrecy. Pushing you as well. Yeah. Um, See, so like at the small thing as well, you know, the fact that you were only eating 1200 calories a day and, and that's basically the nutritional getting into the two-year-old um did no red flag come up or anything on the app no they have nothing like that no um they actually have one red flag if you try to go i think it's i think if it's below 1100 they don't let you go any lower than that yeah there's sort of like there's like a barrier but then you know you put in how much you eat in a day and you know you can just make your own target but that's a dangerous thing that there's no there's actually that's why what i don't like about my fitness pal there's absolutely no introduction around what are calories how do they work macros Macros, what you know for me yes sometimes if i'm you know if i watch my protein intake or something like that then it can be useful but um you know before you download it do your research not through a pt and not through an instagram influencer but talk to (laughs) please talk to a registered nutritionist or sports dietitian um or yeah even I would say even in the NHS, even your, your your normal GPs, they're probably not as well trained on spotting those kind of signs. And then again, we get into this whole stigma issue around you need to look a certain way to be deemed sick enough. Yeah. You don't. If if it's causing you, you know, a trauma and you're constantly thinking about it and it's making your your day um, really really difficult, then then that is enough for you to to say, hey, wait a minute, I need help. Yeah. So. Perfect. Laura, thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for your pod, you're me like slipping. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>